Hi everyone and welcome back to The Constant Cheerleader, the podcast that champions the people who go above and beyond to make a difference in the world and their communities over a cuppa. Yes, thanks to all you lovely people listening and downloading season one, we've been able to make it to a second season. And what a lineup we've got for you over the next 10 weeks. My name is Gemma Stevenson and joining me today is a woman who has made it her mission to keep us smiling throughout these past few months. The award-winning comedian has pretty much created her own one-woman online comedy channel, asking audiences to get Pritch or Die Trying, create a comic book from scratch and find the funny moments in history. And when she's not doing that, well, she's also experimented with her artistic talents. And if she's not ruining your photos, she's spoiling your t-shirts instead. I promise you we will find out more about that a little later in the episode. For now, here to give us 30 minutes of her best map talk this week is Katie Pritchard. Hi Katie, how are you? Hello, <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How are you Gemma? I'm good. I have to start this episode with an apology because you have been doing lots of things online but also you've, you're you back to a little bit of live gigging and I've got you up very early on a morning uh, when you really should have been in your bed sleeping. <laughs> Well, I don't. To be to be fair, though, I don't think you can sleep in this heat. So, actually, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, for the benefit but of yes. our listeners, we are officially recording this episode on what is potentially going to be the hottest day yes. uh, so far of this year. Um, we we both look incredibly glamorous. Neither one of us can put a fan on because of <laughs> making sure you all have good sound. So um, if we disappear halfway through this episode, you know what's happened. Um, we've melted. Hopefully it will get a bit cooler. Is that what happens after after 10am? Gets cooler? I mean, good luck with your oh. gig tonight, Katie, because uh, oh, okay. <laughs> it might still be in the 20s while you're uh, stood out there outside. Yes, um, yes. I feel like based on the photos last night, uh, it it looks it, it looks as glamorous as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, obviously, one thing you've got to do in the heat is keep hydrated. Uh, yes. So, um, and we always ask our guests, and season two is going to be no different, Katie. What cup <laughs> are you joining us with this morning? This morning, I'm actually having my breakfast because I'm a very professional lady, um, and it's a breakfast smoothie. And that is a very healthy choice of breakfast. I I find it's good to start the day healthy. And then you can do whatever you want from there because you've done one healthy thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember the days back when, back way before we even thought about pandemics and lockdowns. Um, you, How many times did you run the London Marathon? Uh, three times. Um, I got obsessed and I had to have a little word with myself and... Um, and not do it. <laughs> uh, not not because of, not for any health reasons. Just because, um, well, maybe health reasons. The stress of trying to fundraise. <laughs> it is quite stressful. Like that's the most stressful part. <laughs> you, you, I'm fundraising at the minute for like a charity I'm an ambassador for, and you set yourself this target, and it's like you're on every like two or three minutes going, oh, "Am I near my target? Am I near my target?" It's it's quite a stressful thing to do, mm. isn't it? I think that's the hardest part of the training. Like, I'm at 26.2 miles, easy peasy in comparison to being a freelancer trying to fundraise um, a decent amount for charity. And obviously you want to, because otherwise why are you, run <laughs> why are you running for charity if you don't want to? <laughs> I remember I did one, um, one 
TV interview for my charity at the finish line of the marathon. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wasn't feeling very well, obviously. So this interview, I just looked like <laughs> white as a ghost. <laughs> I haven't had my carbs yet. So I'm like, I'm like gagging for some lasagna <laughs> doing this interview. <laughs> Oh yeah, Matthew was really good today. It's <laughs> absolutely starving. Do you know what? Um, Somewhere online, there is actually evidence of that interview as well that somebody can draw yeah. upon. And I was trying really hard to be a very good brand ambassador for the charity because I really liked it. Um, <laughs> it's just me in my head being like, lasagna, lasagna. <laughs> is, is it something about lasagna? Like I remember, oh yeah, again, ages ago working at a holiday camp and uh, it's so like Heidi High style but I hadn't like I hadn't had time to eat in days and it was lasagna called to me is it lasagna is lasagna a thing that just it's well it's covers all bases doesn't it I suppose yeah it's got your proteins fats carbohydrates very filling it's warm that's that's quite good. Um, <laughs> you can have it with chips if you want extra carbs or salad if you want extra fibre. It's very versatile. I mean, I feel this is a new um, direction for your <laughs> channel. I feel that you should do comedy nutrition. Uh, just, it, but it would be genuine, genuine nutrition ideas, though, like lasagna. Yeah. Eating smoothies at breakfast and then you've had five a day so you can do whatever you want after that because that's how nutrition works isn't it yeah. i feel like at any minute now boris johnson is going to be calling you asking you to be an advisor on his yeah. new obesity strategy i feel like it's um, going to happen i mean i i'd i'm not sure how much use i can be i, I <laughs> Uh, sorry, Boris. Um, maybe just scrap the scheme. <laughs> I think next general election, Katie. Katie Pritchard for prime minister. Uh, I've, guys, I've got an idea. <laughs> Let's do something useful with our time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so talking about doing things useful with their time. I mean, Katie, I have to say, I mean, I think you've pretty much been the hardest working woman on my Facebook what I've discovered, um, which I think I knew before, but not in as much depth, is that I'm an absolute workaholic. I can't sit still um, and chill out. Uh, so I, I have watched a lot of Netflix series, don't get me wrong, but I've been watching them whilst doing work. So I don't know if that counts. So which Netflix series has helped you be most productive? Without a doubt, is it White Collar? Because it's so rubbish. I don't want to watch it. So that if I'm ever feeling like I need some motivation to do something, I put it on. Ten minutes in, I'm like, why am I watching this again? Um, and then I'm back off doing something. <laughs> it's been my little top tip there, everyone. Unless you're a fan of the show, in which case that won't work. But find a show that you, you feel like, why am I watching it? Put that on. Ten minutes later, you'll be doing some work again. During this time, it's really come to the fore about how at risk comedy is as... Well, it is it is an art form, mm. but it wasn't seen as that, was it, before the pandemic? And um, you've kind of had to keep your profile going, haven't you? Because without those live gigs, without those opportunities to showcase what you can do, um, you've had to find new and creative ways to do it. Yeah, so, I mean, 
most comedians are gigging, you know, multiple times a week. I think I normally average five to six gigs a week. And um, I get pretty much all my money from live performance. So the day before lockdown, when it was suggested that perhaps people shouldn't go to the theatre, which meant that no one, no theatres could stay open after hearing that. So, um, yeah, on that day, kind of lost a lot of work. (laughs) And then two days later, lost all of the work. Um, So, yeah, it's it's been quite uh, tricky (laughs) to try and figure out what what am I supposed to be doing uh, during this time. And obviously everyone... In comedy, you know, everyone's journey is different in our industry, um, because because of the nature of it, because everyone's their own creator and creative, um, so you know, it's just finding figuring out uh, what how I could uh, get through the <laughs> get through the lockdown um, and work online. It's working from home actually as a comedian. If you're not um, a hired writer for like you know some of the big tv and radio shows um they often get a lot of work from home to do but if you're not used to doing that kind of style of writing jokes based on the news and um you know writing for other people and stuff like that uh, then it has been quite interesting to be like ah uh i don't know how i do my comedy from home <laughs> my comedy normally involves um da- dancing at people <laughs> so yeah it's been um it's been very interesting and like you said like it wasn't really recognized comedy wasn't really recognized as an art form by the government and the arts council um that was all you know theater acting music dance they're kind of recognised as art forms, but comedy wasn't. But a good positive thing that's happened is that um, uh, they made a live comedy association, which is a like a, I guess a union for comedians, and now they're they're in talks with the government, and now it's recognised as an art form. So there's that's been a positive thing, uh, but there's still a lot of aspects of you know of the arts that aren't recognised. As the as part of the arts, still, like a lot of my friends have, uh, which I didn't actually even realise, which is my bad completely. But um, you know, stuff like uh, the club scene and all DJs and everything. Obviously, you can't have a rave or a club with social distancing. So <laughs> again, so it's like all of our industries in the arts is actually everyone's found it really hard. But then there's been so much um, is the word ingenuity. Uh, you know, everyone figuring out how to go online. And um, it has been quite amazing just to see, because no, no one knows what they're doing, basically. And everyone's just been like, oh, we've lost all our work. Okay, we're going to have to figure out some something to do. Um, and what's been amazing is just this explosion of all these different ideas, uh, of people exploring how they feel they want to work online and how feel that, how they feel they can work online. Um, so it's been really exciting, but it's also been like the worst. So 
<laughs> so it's a nice start, nice balance there. Really nice balance. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cancelling each other out. But no, one thing that doesn't cancel itself out, um, and I hate talking about this because when you actually sit and see the cold hard figures um, as well in front of you of uh, what's been lost during this pandemic, um, mm. but. You know, there was a lot of talk about freelancers not being supported. I know as a freelancer in the media, um, I had quite a similar experience. I mean, the government introduced the, without getting too political, but um, the government introduced the furlough scheme. They then Mm -hmm. introduced the self-employment scheme. But then there's that group that kind of are in the middle who fall between the gaps. I mean, did you get the help you needed um, or or have you kind of pretty much had to... (laughs) find your own way to try and keep uh the finances flowing yeah i mean i i think i'm incredibly lucky because i've been self-employed for quite a long time now so i have made a conscious decision a few years ago not to take any paye jobs on Mm -hmm. which meant that my tax return has been fully self-assessment um for the last few years but a lot of my friends, because of the nature of our business, because obviously it's, if you're acting or, you know, gigging, you're, you're not going to be in a job that's a 12-month contract that lasts the tax year April to April. That is, that's basically never going to happen. Um, so, in, you know, sometimes you have to supplement your earnings with other jobs. And if those other jobs are PAYE, but they're like zero-hour contracts. So this is where the issue has happened is that people obviously need a certain amount of money in order to live life um so they say they're getting some of that money from their performing career and some of that money from other jobs um while they're not gigging or in between contracts of shows and whatever um and those jobs are zero hour contracts they're not eligible for a furlough scheme on that and if those jobs have paid them more than 50 percent of their income they're then not eligible for self-assessment grant and you know it's just there's too many of my friends have fallen in that middle area and I also saw uh yesterday some people have been now receiving letters about their self-assessment grants that they were awarded in May or June yeah uh saying that there's been a miscalculation so it's just a very it's financially it's incredibly tough so if your friends or you know people in the arts and you can support them definitely do that because most people that work in the arts and especially people that sometimes get forgetting about for example like crew lighting sound you know stage management everyone that is involved in putting on a performance has been affected because there's that that venue doesn't can't operate and so performers, obviously, we can go out there and try and do some performing in some way. Um, it might be slightly more difficult for our lighting designer and sound designer friends um, at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, just, I guess if you're listening and you know people that are friends that are in the arts, uh, it's really tough for everyone, but especially to be in an industry where there's not really much in the way of financial help or a way out of it anytime soon (laughs) (laughs) it would be all right if you could be like oh okay it's gonna be tough for a month but you know what in september 
we're going to be back gigging again. It's going to be lovely. Um, but we don't really have that yet. So hopefully at some point we'll have that feeling. <laughs> right now it's very vague. Uh, it's best just to not think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you talking about support and you've like you put out a really passionate appeal there for people to support people in the arts. But you've had support from your uh, for your project as well through Patreon. Um, yeah. But I need to ask you about something. Um, your dad reducing his payments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually only have two Patreons, uh, and Patreon's a really good site. Um, uh, it's for where you can support your. Uh, favorite artists and most people have one and it's like a little uh little club i yeah. guess and there'll be different rungs on the ladder um and different price packages and they all offer different things but it's essentially what you're getting on anyone's patreon account is some um exclusive thing that you wouldn't get in the big bad rest of the internet so it's supposed to be a fun place um and when i set it up uh, obviously all of these things I set up when we went into lockdown because I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> I just lost a lot of money. Uh, let's see if I can afford some rent at some point in the next few months. So my dad signed up straight away, went on the top tier, £10 a month. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Now, I only have two um, Patreons still. So uh, it is very obvious when anything happens in there because I've only got two. Uh, but yeah, the other day I woke up to an email that said um, that my dad had reduced down to the lowest tier, which is £3 a month. Um, I just feel like he wasn't getting out of it what, what he wanted for that £10. Um, do you know what? It, it's good to know, isn't it? <laughs> it's good to know. I was like, oh, there's obviously an issue. He's not getting the what he deems to be £10 a month worth. So I've mixed it up now. I've changed the I've changed the rungs. I've put more stuff in there. So if anyone else goes in there for £10, hopefully they won't be so dismayed at what they're getting. <laughs> they'll, uh, they'll stick. <laughs> no, but do you know what? My mum and dad have been incredibly supportive during this whole thing. So I'm only teasing them about it, but it is very funny. Uh, <laughs> when your own dad can't even bear the thought of giving you the top i mean it's good to keep grounded yeah you know here i was swanning around thinking that the 10 pound tier was good enough but now i know now i know it's not <laughs> so it is it is useful um but yeah it was very funny that day that morning uh when i woke up to that email <laughs> it's like come on <laughs> so i'm gonna move on now to talk about another side of it your life and that is your art uh and yes. you're quite critical of your art i actually think it's quite good i mean you say i'm ruining your <laughs> photos but actually you've created some brilliant pieces and um for anybody who wants to see them um katie does have her own instagram profile where she showcases her rubbish art which she calls yeah. she calls it rubbish art right nobody else <laughs> thinks it's rubbish <laughs> well so i've been um designing my posters for quite like from all of my comedy, pretty much, apart from two posters where I got some incredible artists to design them, I've designed the rest of them myself. But I was always told at school that I can't draw. So I've never seen myself as being able to draw. But again, when this lockdown happened, um, a lot of people have pages that um, are designed 
to donate to to like help out art uh, like artists and one of them is called coffee and the idea is that the kind of standard price most people donate is three pounds and the idea is they've bought you a coffee um just to say hey we support you and it's wicked um but i felt like i don't i don't really have um I just felt a bit weird actually about being like, oh, just buy me a coffee for no reason. So I started to say, if you buy me a coffee, I'll draw you a crap piece of art of your photo. Because it was just like three quid at the time and um, and I can't draw, but I thought at least they're getting something and they might find it funny. It might entertain them in some way. Well, do you know what? Four or 500 portraits later. <laughs> I think I'm at now. Um, I've I've been having a lovely time doing all these drawings. I've got different styles to do the drawings in. I had to put the price up a little bit to five pounds, um, but to try and af- afford some kind of food and rent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, I've had an absolutely lovely time doing it. Um, so yeah, apparently I'm an artist now genuinely in year seven I was told that I can't draw and my aunt and my mum are both artists and my sister took art GCSE so we've got a family of artists and I thought oh I'm creative I just can't draw I'm just the one that can't draw and that's fine my dad's a graphic great graphic drawer you know everyone is artistic so I was like ah damn it I'm the letdown of this family um says the woman uh, who plays about 20 musical instruments yeah, that's out of boredom because I couldn't draw, you see. So I used to just <laughs> go and play, go and play whatever instrument I could find. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I was told I couldn't draw to the point that I believed it. And my aunt, she did try her hardest because she runs an art gallery and she teaches art. So she did try quite hard to be like, see, that's art. You're doing art. Um, which I very much appreciated, but I just did not believe. <laughs> um, she was a very good teacher, but I I would look at what I've, I'd done and be like, that's that's not good. And I would get frustrated because I try and, it's, you know, for the posters that my friends drew for me, I'd send them a sketch before of what I wanted. And I'd just look at it and be like, oh, God, I just wish I could draw because this would just be so much easier. <laughs> And then, yeah, I started doing these portraits and everyone was like, they're not crap, they're amazing. They're worth more than three pounds. So that's why I put it up to five. (laughs) (laughs) And these drawings have now made it onto T-shirts with cats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cats playing musical instruments. If that's your bag, I've got a lot of those. About two months in, I was really enjoying drawing and I thought I had to do a a series of portraits for a charity campaign, uh, which then got put onto T-shirts. And when I got sent mine, I was like, oh, this is so nice. Um, And so then I really got into the idea of designing some T-shirts. And yeah, I just launched them, what is it, two weeks ago now? And so, yeah, I guess I'm a T-shirt designer now. It's really really fun to see... um, people walking around in something that you've drawn so that's really not that's been really nice uh and i hope to keep that up um obviously new designs all the time i mean the thing is that it's the hardest thing is choosing what to put what to put out there actually i tried to condense it down i think i've got like maybe seven 
different um bit of len goodman there seven seven (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i got seven different designs going on but yeah i mean i've got so many that i ditched and i've got so many ideas for new ones so uh the the one the one thing that i really am interested in keeping up once life performance starts again is all of this art stuff so the portraits and the t-shirt designs i i'm really enjoying it so um that's been really nice <laughs> it's not all been terrible but it's a, it's a lot of terrible but there are a lot of nice things as well so it's a very confusing time the ethics of where the stuff's come from has mattered to you as well like you haven't just gone i'll put my drawings on any old t-shirt yeah, I'm not making a lot of profit from each T-shirt, but I agree with the brand focus, Yeah, if that, if that's the right word. Um, yeah, because T-Mill, they're really cool. Uh, they're based in Bristol. Um, you know, they just seem like a nice bunch that you set up your own shop on there and they do everything. So I'm getting the profits and they're taking their, you know, their fee, but it's all done in a, in a good way which is important and you can follow the whole life of the cotton as well so you you know they've got videos there inside um, all of the parts of the factories where every part of the t-shirt is made so yeah basically I wanted to go with so I didn't want to design something that was um that was not ethically good you know uh, it's it's easy to be like oh you shouldn't shop at high streets uh but then put your design on something that is, you know, made out of a factory um, that doesn't treat their staff very well. Whereas this one, you know, everyone's paid decently. It's as eco-friendly as it can be. So it felt it felt like it aligned with my vibe. <laughs> so sorry about that. <laughs> and um, now I'm going to move on to talking about the future. In normal times, <laughs> um, we would probably be doing this interview uh, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival <laughs> mm. right now. Um it's been a very weird yeah, hasn't it? I mean, the impact of the fringe on comedy is huge. I mean, it start weren't you due to do like a your first one woman show there this year as well? Yeah, so it's uh it's kind of a rite of passage, I guess. Um when you're starting comedy, um it's called like your debut hour. And uh, I guess most people will, you wouldn't do your debut hours the first show that you do. You'd probably do some, you know, half hour, 40 minute, 45 minute shows um, until you understand what you want to do as a comedian. And then you do your debut hour. And then that's when you kind of open yourself up to press and getting reviewed and stuff like that. And from there, you know, people, if they have a, do a really successful debut hour, you know, from there, that's the kind of start point of being going on tour or being tour support for other acts or, you know, um, winning some awards or TV people might come to see. It, it really depends because obviously, every like I said, everyone's journey in comedy is completely different. But the idea being that you, your debut hour in Edinburgh is kind of a, a rite of passage thing. And once you've done that, you've kind of crossed over into being taken a bit a bit more seriously I guess by the industry and um so yeah I was supposed to be doing my debut album this year which I was really excited about um but obviously obviously I completely understand why the Edinburgh Fringe can't go ahead um but it's still okay to be a bit sad about it uh but yeah so hopefully uh, the thing is that no one will know the effect 
and the repercussions that this um, shutdown of Edinburgh this year will have on next year. But at the moment, you know, everyone's trying to be very positive. There's a lot of um, gigs going on to fundraise for Edinburgh venues because, you know, it's millions of pounds, I think, in the Scottish economy as well, just for three weeks of August, essentially. Yeah. Um, and obviously, if you think of all the hotels and the B&Bs, the restaurants, the shops, and so for that one month in the year... To, for everyone to be losing out on that I think that is that is t- going to be tough so I just really hope that um, I know that they've been quite good with the arts up in Scotland so far so just hope that you know the fundraising gigs for the for the venues that need a bit of financial help do actually help enough so that next year it can be like a, you know as much back to what it would have been this year as possible uh, but yeah we can't possibly know until when we get towards next year because again you know it depends how long it goes on for and they've got s- some massive theatres there as well so they're obviously as well losing out on the touring theatre uh, you know that would be going up there so yeah there's a, there's all these repercussions but everyone's trying to stay positive obviously <laughs> because no, no one wants our job to not exist anymore so everyone's just trying to do what they can i mean obviously edinburgh are doing some online sessions but one thing i feel that i'm missing because i go out to edinburgh every year um is <laughs> you know royal mile and just mm. everybody dressed up in insane things yeah kind of marketing their shows i mean yeah. it's i mean that's something special about the edinburgh festival isn't it i mean you you just can't that's that's an atmosphere around the festival that you just can't recreate online i i don't think you can recreate trying to bat thousands of people out your way so that you can get from one venue to the next (laughs) as much as you try um yeah that is like the whole kind of atmosphere uh, the first time I went to Edinburgh, I stepped off the train and I started singing, you know, the Toys R Us advert. Uh, I was like, it's a magical place where I Because uh, it was everything I thought it would be, but also more. Um, so if you've never been, it's very exciting. Just, um, you know, we always make fun of the Royal Mile for being the worst place. Uh, because everyone is the best place to fly, basically. So everyone's there, and theatre shows are dressed in their costumes. Once I was trying to get through, and like seven people were dressed as clouds, moving very slowly, and I was stuck behind this cloud procession. So that kind of thing just happens. It's absolute carnage, but it's a vital. It's very important for the fringe uh, to have that, <laughs> so that when you get into a show, I think it's designed so that when you get to a show, you're like. Oh, okay, relax now. Ready for the show uh, because you're out of the. Out of the <laughs> it's like I made it through to my show. I, on made, time. It, I made it to an inside. <laughs> <laughs> I can chill out now. Yeah, no, there's no way of recreating that unless you unless you live with lots of people. In which case, just get them all in one room and try to walk from one side to the other with them in the way, and that's kind of that's the best that you can do. I'm just <laughs> I'm just working out that like you know the talk is that this is not really you know it's, we're still going to see the repercussions of this for like 
years to come. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of a socially distant Royal Mile and I just don't think it and could happen. I mean, it will be, I mean, somebody will be wearing a belt of like broomstick handles. Yeah. That's almost definitely going to happen. I mean, there could be great potential for some Royal Mile bingo uh, for next year of people trying to socially distance flyer. Um, you know, probably with those thin picking sticks. Yes. <laughs> probably do those. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of things they could do. But yeah, I mean, just the thought of um, people keeping two meter distance <laughs> on the Royal Mile is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I guess a lot of eco-friendly uh, people are calling to say, you know, maybe this is a chance for everyone to rethink how promotion is done at the Fringe because most of the time it is paper flyers. Yeah. And as an actress, spending a lot of money on them, but also, you know, it's a lot of paper. So people have already started this year to be like, is are there better ways that aren't as dangerous, also are more eco-friendly um ways to promote the show so um, again so maybe some good things will come out of it you know it's good to see everyone adapting yeah exactly and talking about adapting um, i mean you've already talked to us a lot about how you've adapted and how you've seen other people adapt in the comedy world but it's now your chance to talk to our listeners about maybe creative ways that they can adapt to the weird kind of situation we're in at the minute where we're not in lockdown anymore, but we're not fully where yeah. we were. Um, and so this section is called the cultural exchange. So this is the part in our chat where you, as our special guest, Katie, give our audience something um, to take away from this episode. Um, so for this, I wanted to actually uh, tell you about my sister. Um, because uh, she runs um, a really cool dance fitness class and she obviously with the lockdown again all of all of dance classes had to stop Um, so she went online and she's just been approved to do it online now for anyone that Mm -hmm. wants to join Um, so there is a membership fee it's not very much because it's online, uh, but I'd really recommend it. It's called Chi Chi Fit, and the whole vibe of it is um, basically it's supposed to make you feel really good. So all of the songs are musical theatre songs, and uh, you're very welcomed to sing along while you're doing it. But all the dance uh, dance moves are fitness-led, um, but also suitable for any any ability. So even if you think that you're not a dancer you should go to this class and you'll feel like a professional dancer and you you will be able to dance more than you think and anyone that is a professional dancer it's just a really fun class to do uh lauren is very good at working at all speeds at all times so it'll be one of those where it's like these are the legs and even if you're only doing the legs that's great and then add the arms add the shimmies add the shakes so it's all really good would massively recommend so it's called chi chi fit and my sister is lauren i think her classes are on monday wednesday and saturday but yeah it's really fun like i've i've not done a class yet where i haven't left like wetting myself laughing <laughs> it's very fun and, and, and entertaining and i'm obviously i am a dancer so i i find it a tough one <laughs> 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 uh, class i was in the middle of doing um uh, a box step and I was like God, even I'm struggling with this 
Oh, the good old box set. I mean, that's a that's a stagey standard, isn't it? The box set. Oh yeah, you gotta love it. In the real, in the normal life before this, yeah. Um, if you were to go to a class, uh, you would be very welcomed to sing. Yeah. She'll have, she has gold sparkly hats to wear if you want. If you're doing chorus line. It's very funny. Now, I, I saw on your Facebook, oh, it was a few months, I think it might have been before lockdown. Um, so I'm expecting good things out of you for this one, Katie. I'm not going to lie. Oh, no. Um, now, no those expectations. I know. I mean, you're opening <laughs> season two, so you're setting the standard for everybody else. And oh. um, But you used to be a cheerleader, didn't you? I did, yeah. <laughs> I did at uni but because I'm so small I'm only five foot tall and um, back at uni I used to be a tiny little weedy thing so they used to make me fly and I didn't I didn't like it there's like three uh different styles that you can compete in in cheerleading so there's dance cheer and stunts so when I started we were primarily dance and cheer and yeah. they thought let's branch out into stunts we'll get katie flying at the top of the triangle i had to go i was not, <laughs> i was not equipped for that as well because i've got hyperextended joints i just never look good trying to do a high put my arms up in like a high v shape they'd never get there because my arms are so bendy <laughs> so yeah i i used to love it though I used to feel like a rock star when we were competing and so I'm going to bring back some of those memories, Katie. Not of the flying, don't worry. Right, okay, Nobody is going to burst through your door now and throw <laughs> you up in the air, don't worry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Matt Talk, now you'll know about Matt Talk, um, but yeah. some of our listeners may not. Matt Talk is kind of what us cheerleaders do um, to kind of keep the rest of the team motivated in stunts. I mean, you probably got a lot of Matt Talk when you were flying more like stop freaking out Katie why are you having a panic attack up there chill out <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the most famous people at the minute for Matt Talk is uh, Jerry Harris on mm. Cheer and Netflix I don't know whether you've seen his work oh um, yeah I've definitely seen his work so now it's your time to give us a bit of a Matt Talk I did a clap there to like I felt like Jerry would have done a clap before he spoke um yeah I guess my mat talk is just um try try everything if you want to do it you should just try it um and don't be afraid basically and just remember that it does take about 10,000 hours to become an expert at something that's what they say um so you know if you try something and you love it then and you but you feel bad that you're not an expert in it. If it's your first time trying it, of course you're not going to be an expert in it. So just remember, you know, it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert. If you try it and you love it, just keep going at it, and eventually you'll be an expert. Easy peasy. Just don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something because, you know, I let I let people tell me that I couldn't draw. I spent however many years, I'm not going to tell you how many years, but a, long, a lot of years thinking that I couldn't draw. And then this year... I've discovered that I really enjoy drawing and actually I'm going to keep doing it. I mean, I say. that is a great piece of advice <laughs> to leave us with. So uh, all that's left for me to say now is <laughs> thank you, Katie, uh, for joining me today and starting our second season off in sensational style. It's really been quite a comedic look at life so far in lockdown for you. Um, I do hope that um, your father does up his donation a little bit when he sees the extra yeah. value for money and um guys if you want to support katie go on her patreon page and um 
try and go for the top tier. She's she's improved it. <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying really hard on that top tier now. Thank to everyone for once again for listening uh, and coming back for another season. You didn't have to. I'll just leave you with one final message and that is to stay safe and stay well and we will meet again at the same time next week to champion another of life's cheerleaders. Thank you.